school environment heroes saving the trees and the bees and doing it daily welcome to the local environment heroes podcast a podcast that brings you a series of chats with some amazing local heroes from here in canberra and from further afield who are doing ace things for our world the podcast is produced and supported by the Canberra Environment Centre and your hosts are me, Fiona Vakenen, Director of the CEC and Julie Bolton, a sustainability strategist based here in Canberra. Local environment Welcome. I'm currently holding the microphone on my knee and I'm feeling the urge to burst into song. But wow. That's not part of our podcast. So we're not What's going next, to. Julie? I know. I think I'm just so uplifted by the conversation we've just had with Al Lawless, yeah. who made me promise not to make any jokes about her surname <laughs> when we talked about the amount of times she's been arrested. What a gem. It was very good. Very, very good. She's a young superstar, really. She's the executive director of the Cons Council here in the ACT, a role that she's had for about a year now, maybe a little bit less than a year. Yeah, and she's got an awesome story to tell mm. and some really wise words to pass yeah. on to us. Yeah. Loved hearing her talking about biodiversity and her passion for what she does is just so obvious. Yeah, and I like the the journey that she's been on, like mm. how she said she grew up in Narrabai, a farm, has always been surrounded by trees and wildlife and then all the coal mines came around and she's like, hang on, not feeling so cool with this and that link between what's happening to her world and the world she's been involved in, she sees it and feels it so intimately and she's really taken that on and said, well, actually this isn't happening, like mm. I'm doing something about it. Mm. And, yeah, doing something about it instead oh, of just a having, having a win. She's yeah. getting out there and being an active voice for our beautiful environment. Yeah, mm. it's a really interesting chat about the role of protest mm. and the, mm. the protest is an element or a recipe, you called it, I think, in the chat. Like this is one of your ingredients that mm-hmm. goes into making change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. All yeah. right. Oh, and the... Oh, yes. Fiona's, Fiona's like going, hang on, you had a, a quote. I've forgotten it now. Unconditional positive regard. Is that the quote? Yeah, I, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So at the end, you know, stay tuned to the end as always when we get into our five hero questions. And Al comes out with this phrase, I'm pretty sure that's it, unconditional positive regard and, and how that's just flipped her way of interacting and thinking with people. And it's a phrase she learnt when she did her teaching degree and taught for a few years in Tasmania. With that in mind, the rest of what she has to say makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like start from the end and you'll understand the beginning. So listen, listen in. Here we go. We are on. We're on. We're on, we're on. And we are sitting at the Cons Council because we're here with the person in charge of the Conservation (laughs) Council. Al, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast and welcome to the Cons Council. Such a pleasure to sit down with you and chat more about where you have come from and what's happening for you. Has there been a defining moment in your life where you've looked at the world around you and thought something needs to change? I was really fortunate to grow up in the country, Mm -hmm. so in um, rural New South Wales. Yeah. And as a kid, I spent a lot of time in northwest New South Wales, so around Narrabri, it's where my family's from. Mm-hmm. 
And at the time, throughout the Hunter Valley, the coal mines were expanding. And I think seeing that change to the landscape was really defining for me, that gradual creep of these big black pits Mm. destroying nature, forests, farmland and communities really and that was just really impactful to me. How old were you when that was all happening? I would have been about 10 so really young but so um, striking, so visual that changed the landscape and it made me really want to do something about protecting nature. It wasn't until I was a teenager sitting in geography class watching the documentary of Bob Brown going down the Franklin that I realised that non-violent direct action was actually an option, putting your body on the line to protect the places we love. And I remember looking around at all the other students in my class and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to protect nature. And just no one else seemed particularly moved Mm. by what we were watching. But it really stuck out for me as it was possible to do that. And so did you start that afternoon? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not right then, not at 16. It wasn't actually until I came to uni at the ANU that I found my people, found people who shared the same values as me and community groups that I could join and really be part of. And then I went up to the lead blockade. again. Where's where's that? In Narrabri. It was a campaign to protect... The Lead State Forest from the Moores Creek coal mine. A lot of people spent time up at the blockade camp. It went for a number of years. So I went up there and got to meet um, amazing locals, so farmers, Gomeroy people, scientists, lawyers, hippies. They were all there. It was this amazing group of people from all different walks of life who all wanted to protect this forest um, and the cultural heritage in the lead. And, yeah, there I got to really be part of this movement for change and be able to participate in direct action. So that's really then where I got to live out my dreams and haven't stopped since. Yeah. So I know you've been busy campaigning and protesting around saving the Lawson grasslands here in Canberra. And I'm really interested to hear more about the role of protest in environment action. We're often thinking, oh, what can I do? What is it about protest that is powerful how can that make the world a better place so on Lawson first at the cons council we've been campaigning to protect Lawson grassland since 2020 Mm -hmm. so they're in North Belconnen it's an area of critically endangered grassland and it's really crucial that we protect it it's home to many endangered species including the golden sun moth gang gang cockatoos and legless lizards It's really special and we've been working with our member groups to protect it. So I encourage everyone to get involved with our work. You can look up our website to learn more about Lawson Grasslands as well. Why is it under threat at the moment? So Defence Housing Australia have a proposal to build houses on Lawson Grasslands, which they would be building for their own profit. So it's part of how defence housing works, they build houses to sell, to make profit um, rather than to fulfil their brief of providing housing for defence. We've been, as the Cons Council, protesting against this proposal amongst many other forms of advocacy. So it's Mm. really important to have 
all different forms, including meeting with decision makers, writing submissions, holding community forums, and then protesting as an aspect of all of that. It's like oh. a big recipe mm. that you need That's for creating really, change. Yeah. yeah. So you talk about the that protest that you went to Narrabri mm. and then you protest here in Canberra now. Mm. So it's just one component of that bigger picture is that what you're saying yeah so protesting has a really long important history in our world in terms of creating change Mm. but it goes along with a recipe of many different ways of advocating for a goal but to go back to your question about why it's so important Mm. so protesting you know taking direct action to make change in the world has been going for hundreds of years. So we see it was a really big part of the civil rights movement in the States, a big part of the suffragette movement. The the Franklin is a really good example mm. of people defining the rules, putting their bodies on the line to make change and demand action. And important part about it is that it's nonviolent. So you're doing it in a way that's really peaceful, collective, has a community approach and this has been my experience with all the protesting I've been involved in it's been non-violent and then from there you sort of have that moral high ground to be saying you know the world is wrong the rules are wrong the system needs to change and that's why we're being this radical importantly it's open for everyone it should be something that everyone can be involved with and can participate in Mm -hmm. I really want to note that it is much harder for people from marginalised backgrounds, especially when they maybe have had more challenging experiences or there's different history there with, with lawmakers or with police. Mm. So just recognising that I'm, I'm a, a white woman who is treated differently by police. But for some examples of some protests I've been involved mm, in, so yeah. I established Stoffadani Canberra mm. about six years ago now and had the, the joy and the privilege of running many protests, including running trainings, so mm-hmm. nonviolent direct action trainings. Uh, one of my favourite things to do is to run trainings. I think it's it's so great to, to upskill people and sort of share knowledge and get everyone. Having that, you know, knowledge is power, so having that knowledge to then participate and feel really well supported. So we ran many protests around Canberra, including some sit-ins in banks and some sit-ins in some different um, politicians' offices, which were all very peaceful. Mm. It gets the issue on the agenda. Mm. And then also went up to the Adani camp a few times in Queensland where um, the Adani group was building the Carmichael coal mines, massive amount of carbon emissions. And it was a really big community effort there as well of people from all walks of life gathering at the camp. So, yeah, was able to stop work on site and hold that up and, you know, really get it on, on the agenda in the news. What do you think about the new laws that governments are passing to do with protests, especially around climate change protests? Yeah, the new laws are really concerning and there's been many organisations that have come out and said that protesting is a human right and um, should be supported and should be accessible. The Potential charges people face from peaceful protesting is completely outrageous, especially when you know climate protesters, for example, are there wanting to protect our future, wanting to protect life on Earth, and then they're potentially facing years in prison and massive fines. It just doesn't seem 
like it matches up when actually it's the fossil fuel companies who should be the ones who are being held accountable for the crimes that they commit against our climate and our our safe future. So it's really shocking. I got arrested once in New South Wales, climbed onto a coal train actually in the Hunter Valley. And at the time, the new protest laws were just coming in Mm. and we were potentially facing seven years in in prison. Wow. Did Um, you know that before you climbed onto onto that? I did. I felt like it was a a risk I was willing to take in terms Mm. of just really living out my values. Mm -hmm. But also, again, what I was saying before, you know, a well-educated white woman, it is really different for Mm. me that I feel like I have the ability to take those risks because I'm treated differently. And so what happened when you were arrested? Yeah, tell us more. That was actually a a formative experience for me. I was in my early 20s and we got taken back to the cop shop, to the police station. The police were so lovely to us, made us cups of tea. How many of you were there? There were four of us. We're all really young, um, so all in our early 20s. Yeah, police um, made us cups of tea, let us wash all the coal dust off. We were absolutely covered. My face was completely covered in coal dust from the train. And then we got put to bed in the cell, in the lockup. And at that stage, were you worried? Were you thinking, well, this is seven years or were you just... No, no, no. I wasn't worried at that stage. I felt um, really proud of myself and all, all of us for what we'd done. Yeah, it's just really important part of showing that fossil fuel companies... They can't get away with it any longer. Their time's up. They can no longer be destroying habitat to dig up fossil fuels that are contributing to the climate crisis. There's just so much wrong with what they're doing. This was quite a few years ago. It was before we all were on, well, majority of us were all on board with the fact we're in a climate crisis. It was still early days. And it's amazing to think actually how much the conversation has shifted Mm -hmm. in the last five years. Yeah, to really becoming a lot more mainstream. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what are some of the the results of the campaigning? Have there been some tangible outcomes or do you feel like it's still a work in progress? I think a big tangible outcome is that fact that the narrative has shifted so strongly. Mm. Um, when we were used to be having debates about, mm-hmm. oh, is the climate crisis real? Do fossil fuels actually contribute to it? Like, it's not that long ago that we were still talking about that. And now, overall, the media does accept that. Society accepts that. And we are heading towards really taking tangible action. There's a long way to go, but I think it has shifted. And we're seeing more and more people wanting to participate in community groups or in doing what they can to make a difference. And these are people who have kids, have jobs, have, you know, working lives and it's you know, not as accessible for them. But I feel like I'm seeing a really big shift that it's not so much the, the hippies, it's everyone participating, mm. which is really positive. And it also sounds like that sense of community and belonging that comes out of being a part of these campaigns and protests. Yeah, so crucial. We see in a capitalist society, we're pushed into individualism and looking at what we can gain and what we can get. Being part of activism is so wonderful in terms of feeling like you've got a purpose in life, you've got responsibility 
and you make these beautiful connections. All of my dearest friends are people I've met through this work, including my beautiful friend Anna. She's a few decades older than me, but we've been arrested together many times and, many and times. really bonded. <laughs> quite, a, quite a sentence there, Elle. We've been arrested together many times. Wow, what, what else has been going on? I've only got one conviction and I joke that... Um, wonderful lawyer who represented us pro bono afterwards we all went out for a celebratory drink and he said to people with conviction (laughs) (laughs) tell us about your role at the cons council what does the cons conservation council act do yes so i'm the executive director of the conservation council act region we are an environmental community group And since 1981, we've been the voice for the environment in the ACT region, representing over 40 member groups. We're a peak body, which means that we bring together member groups who all have different issues and projects that they're working on, which are really diverse, which makes it really exciting. So it might be from weeding, land care, waterways to climate change, big polluters, birds grasslands it's a huge array of really important work so we represent them through government and through campaigning and then we as the conservation council also have our key priorities and key campaign areas that we're working on we've broken that down into climate and biodiversity as i'm sure many of our listeners know our biodiversity is really suffering so in the act We're seeing more of our natural places destroyed, especially with the expanding city or fragmented. So we're losing connectivity across the landscape. This is an issue that's happening nationally as well as internationally as well. So this um, extinction crisis is something here in the ACT and, and more broadly, what we do has a really important impact on our greater environment. And then climate Again, as everyone knows, we are in a climate crisis. So in the ACT region, we're really world leading in reducing emissions, really making big systemic changes, including transitioning off gas, which is a dirty polluting fossil fuel, and looking at revolutionising our transport system and also reducing our emissions overall. It's really exciting work to get to do, to be able to do something so impactful and worthwhile that is, you know, then a leading light for being emulated in other states and territories. Mm. There's always room to be pushing for policy changes and to be pushing for everything to happen faster. We are still not on track to keep warming below 2 degrees, let alone 1.5 degrees for a safe climate future. So if we can speed that up that'll be putting us on on a better track and then it will be also exploring new technologies new policies that other states and territories can use as well to help them speed up for example our emissions from transport are huge in the act as other places and we still haven't seen them significantly drop so if we can have more electric vehicles, increased public transport, access to e-bikes or e-scooters, not just cars, we don't want a one-to-one car replacement, then that will make a significant difference and other places can do it as well. They see that it's working here. Going back to biodiversity, (laughs) 
where did it start for you? Where did you, was there something in particular that led you down um, this road and sparked your enthusiasm to conserving biodiversity? I grew up on a farm, so I think I've been especially privileged to be surrounded by nature my whole life. Mm. It is one that I wonder about, though, because many people don't grow up on farms and still feel this deep connection Mm. and passion for biodiversity. But for me personally, that's really where it sparked. So grew up swimming in the dam, going on bushwalks, riding horses, playing in the mud, And all of that made me feel, yeah, very connected to the natural world. And it was my passion in life, like what I felt I could do the best I can to look after. So many issues that I care about that I'm sure we all care about, including education, international development, so much happening in the world. But I just felt like if you try to walk all of the dogs, you won't walk any of them well. So this is the one that I could walk really well. And it brings me so much joy. We are nature. It is us. So everything depends on it, all life on earth, including us. So that's what I want to dedicate myself to. Do you have a favourite animal or favourite plant? Oh, yes. She's got a hand on her heart, everybody. I have a favourite animal. My favourite animal is the eastern quoll. It's actually on my office door. And it was really sweet because my colleague printed it off for me and she didn't know that that was my favourite animal. She just said I had quoll energy, <laughs> probably the best compliment I've ever received. They're really special but they are endangered. So the main threats to them is habitat destruction. So just not having enough home to live in. So we need to make sure we're protecting um, forests, habitat of quolls. Favourite plant, so many great ones, but I'd say a brown barrel, which is a type of eucalypt. The farm that I grew up on had some beautiful mature native um, trees on it and yeah, included brown barrels and a really important habitat for nesting birds. Mm. You're working in this every day, day in, day out, and you obviously think about this a lot. What do you do to switch off or can you not switch off? Because we often hear, we often talk to a lot of people working in this field and it can get, like it's exhausting and it's it's challenging and it's it's very tiring when the system's not changing as fast as you would like it and you know that it needs to change. So what does Elle do for some downtime? Yeah, Elle thinks that this is very important completely, especially because ecological grief, climate distress, they are real and naturally so. We're dealing with existential crises here. For me personally... I try to spend as much time outside as possible. So that especially includes bushwalking and just being able to appreciate and be immersed in nature while it's still here and really seeing how how special it is and just reminding me why I do the work that I do. The best thing about that is makes you realise how insignificant you are when you're surrounded by all of the trees, the grasslands, the mountains, like, well, I'm doing the best that I can and I'm, I'm a small person. But as Greta says, never too small to make a difference, which is a quote that I, I love to remind myself of. But, yes, bushwalking, 
camping, my favourite things to do. And then I do a lot of craft. I, um, I knit and sew and paint. Yeah, I do it every morning before I come into work. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so like I've got a good routines. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good tell routines us what you're saying because creativity, imagination, really important to me. I've always been interested in art, always painted, always made things, whether that be with leaves or stones or the feathers from the chooks. Like it's just always been something that's important to me. I think I'm quite tactile. I taught myself how to sew a few years ago and I just love it. It's like you get into that real flow state and everything else can drop away and you're just focusing on that one project in front of you, which really helps me sort of turn off from all these crises in the world and from my work. So Mm. I think, yeah, creativity is so important. Sewing might not be your thing. (laughs) Painting might not be your thing, but I really, yeah, recommend doing some creative projects. For people who are keen to get involved in the Conservation Council and the important work that you're doing, how would they go about that? Yes, to get involved in the Conservation Council, um, there are actually many campaigns and programs that we're currently have on the go so I'd really recommend people getting onto our website you can just google us conservation council ACT will be the first hit that you find and you can see our climate work mainly involves our make the switch project which is encouraging people to switch to an all-electric home it's a really impactful way they can reduce their emissions we'd love you to be involved on that you can come along to our regular stalls and engage the community our biodiversity work, lots of exciting things happening. So we've just launched our Bush Buds program, which is encouraging people to champion a local endangered species and then come on a walk to learn more about its habitat and then what you can do to protect it. So you can sign up um, to become a Bush Bud. You can choose, there's 30 species to choose from. Is the quoll on the list? The quoll is definitely <laughs> on the list. It had to be. There are actually two quolls on the list. Mm-hmm the eastern quoll and the spotted quoll so many to choose from um and then our next walk will be a river walk we're going through different habitats and that will be late july mm-hmm. so you can keep peeled for that one but if you want to volunteer always keen to have people come along to those walks to actually help us out or there are yet many other things you can do for bush buds as well you can help us with our our socials and our communications mm-hmm. uh, for lawson so protecting that grassland We have a community catch-up coming up. We are getting ready for the environmental impact statement to be released Mm. and then there'll be another round of community consultation which will be part of the um, EPBC Act process. All of those submissions that we make will go to the Environment Department and then the Federal Environment Minister for a decision on whether... The proposed project gets approved, approved with conditions or rejected. So it's really, really crucial that we all flood the Environment Department with submissions. So get ready for that. We've got a sign-up box on our website so that you can be informed straight away when it's time to make a submission. And then we're always looking for volunteers to help us paint banners, put signs on the fence in Belconnen, put posters around the community so please get in touch for that. Yeah, fantastic. And is there anything else coming up for you and for Conservation Council anytime soon? So we are 
heating up our yeah. campaign to protect Blewett's Block. Mm. Blewett's Block is Western Canberra, mm-hmm. so on the at very outskirts. It's an area of high ecological value, so beautiful forest that provides really important connectivity across the landscape and those wildlife corridors for our animals to move across the landscape. And it's also home to lots of threatened listed species, including the superb parrot. There were dunarts found there and antichinus. It's a really amazing place. But it is under threat from our potentially expanding city and we really want to see it protected as a nature reserve. We've recently supported Friends of Blewett's Block to form, which is a new community group. They're holding weeding parties and track making parties. So anyone can come along to that? And anyone can join. So you can look up Friends of Blewett's Block. And then the Cons Council are going to be working on advocacy to protect the block. So this will include meeting with decision makers and protests and artwork. We've already been putting posters around town. So you're welcome to do the same if you'd like. And we're really wanting to show the community support for making sure Blewett's Block becomes a nature reserve. All right. So, Elle, uh, congratulations. You have just been elected the president of the world. What is the one change you try to implement first? Well, I'm very pleased that I was elected. (laughs) And this is not a dictatorship. So, therefore, I'm assuming that my constituents agree with my policies. Mm. And I am saying no new coal, oil or gas. No new fossil fuels will make a huge impact to biodiversity because we know fossil fuel projects destroy habitat. Extracting and burning fossil fuels is the biggest contributor to the climate crisis. So we're saying no more. We want to keep um, warming below two degrees. Easy. Easy. Done. Easy. Sorted. All right. So it's 2030. Describe the world that you see around you. Uh, So... I'm optimistic and I'm saying that I'm still the president. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Long reign, long reign. Yeah, still the president. You're young, you're young. And we have had no new fossil fuels. Mm. So we're actually looking towards a really hopeful future where we're keeping warming down. We're not uh, facing the impacts of climate change as severely, which are the extreme weather events, droughts, floods, storms, and then the instability and conflicts that go along with that. We've reduced that. And so we've got the opportunity to create really diverse and inclusive communities, which I'm really excited about. And that's what I'm seeing around me. So we've invested in the health professions and teaching. That's actually what's really forming the basis of our economy now. We've implemented the four-day working week so people have time to care for each other, families, do creativity, volunteer. We're a lot more communal now as well. So we've got some communal gardens, more open childcare and helping each other out, connecting with our neighbours. And I think we've introduced universal basic income as well. So then we have those opportunities to be caring for each other and be contributing to community because people aren't as stressed or stuck. Yeah, great answer. 
It's a very optimistic answer. Yeah. Yeah. I want to no. be there. Yeah. I can stay optimistic, I think. Yeah, well, you're the president, yeah. right? So I am the president. Direction. Yeah, you're totally fine. So, Elle, who are your environmental heroes? You mentioned Bob Brown earlier. I did mention Bob Brown because... Uh, very formative to yeah, me as yeah. a teenager. Uh, but I actually wanted to mention two locals mm. who are heroes to me. One of them is beautiful Phoebe Howe, who some of you may know. She's a really incredible activist. And what inspires me most about her is that she's very gentle and graceful in the work that she does so she can really hold a room with so much presence and grace and just bring that kindness into activist spaces, which is so crucial. I've had the joy of running nonviolent direct action trainings with her, specifically for Extinction Rebellion, which was really wonderful. I also went to a big blockade in Newcastle, world's biggest coal port, with her as well and just saw her facilitating groups of you know 300 people getting them prepared to all kayak out into the harbour and just be so warm and calming mm. um, and I just really admire how she holds the room supports others and does it with yeah so much passion and respect mm. these spaces can be really fraught especially when we're suffering climate grief climate anxiety and we can get very heightened, mm. but then it's just reminding us that we all care and just bringing us back down about kindness being the most important part of how we interact with each other. And Phoebe's really inspired me to do that. And then the other local hero I wanted to mention is Charlie Wood. You may not know their name, but they've been an incredible um, person in terms of growing the climate movement in Australia. Mm-hmm. And they've worked primarily from behind the scenes. Mm-hmm for about a decade. So Charlie uh, was one of the main people behind the Stop Adani movement, um, working for 350.org and then for Tipping Point and just really supporting the growth of that movement behind the scenes. And then really importantly, the school strike movement. Charlie was really crucial in terms of training students, stepping students up, supporting them and just really exemplifies how you can lead from behind and empower others Mm. and that really powerful movements grow from that. I'm liking the lessons you've learnt because when you are president, which you will be. (laughs) Yes, I will be president. Are you going to do it with kindness and leading from behind and listening and empowering others? Like they're really good lessons to have. That's what I try to do at the Cons Council as well in my role. Amazing, amazing. What's your hot tip for being more environmentally friendly? A really simple one that I encourage people to do is to divest our banks, our super funds, invest in fossil fuels. It's a big part of how projects are able to get funded and carry on. So something that you can do is break up with your bank or your super fund. Tell them why you're breaking up with them. So it's not you, it really is them. And find a different bank and super fund that doesn't invest in fossil fuels. It's just such a simple action that we can take if we're we're time poor we have big jobs if we have kids busy lives the more of us who who do small acts like this it really does have big ripple effects for example nab have been investing in a lot of 
Whitehaven Coles projects. And so a lot of coal projects across the Hunter Valley. It's just such a contributor to climate and ecological injustice. So break up with your bank. Mm, I like that one. (laughs) Do you have a final slogan or quote or key message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? How I attempt to carry out my role at the Cons Council is to have unconditional positive regard. So it's really uh, a sentiment that I, I embody and it's it's hard, doesn't happen every day, but I really try my best to, to be curious, to try and understand where people are coming from and really be warm and welcoming. I think it's made a really huge difference in terms of connecting with our community and really empowering others. So I'd really encourage everyone to, yeah, try and embody that unconditional positive regard. We all have issues that we think are the most important. We're all dealing with, you know, a lot of that grief around what's happening to nature, what's happening to our climate. So it's just recognising where people are coming from and, yeah, really meeting them where they're at, being kind and respectful. Yeah. That's lovely. I really like that. I'm going to to take that on board. Especially this evening at dinner time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps that can be my starting point. Elle, thank you so much for joining us. That was an absolute treat. It was so lovely to talk with you both. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Local environment heroes Saving the trees and the bees And doing it daily Local Environment Heroes is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people, the traditional custodians of the Canberra area. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging, and we recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities. Subscribe to the Local Environment Heroes podcast wherever you find your podcasts and keep in touch. Sign up to the CEC newsletter, check out the CEC website, canberraenvironment.org. Thanks for listening.